Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Gentleman Ian, and by the end of this show, you will be completely up to date on everything that is making headlines in the world of pro wrestling this week. And it was a fairly busy week this this these last seven days in pro wrestling. We have Zelina Vega to talk about. We've got B Priestley to talk about. Unfortunately, we have the passing of the Patriot, Del Wilkes, and we will run down everything else making news in the world of pro wrestling. Starting with Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega returned to WWE on SmackDown this week. She had been gone from the company since being released in November in sort of fairly dramatic fashion. It was a fairly highly publicized falling out between the two sides. So Zelina Vega is announced as the sixth entrant in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match on SmackDown this week by Sonya Deville. This will be seen as a big surprise to many fans and not so much of a surprise to some fans. If you follow non-spoiler-free wrestling news sites, then you might have had this return spoiled for you. There had been reports that Zelina Vega had been spotted at the WWE Performance Center about a month ago. So news that she was coming back had had actually leaked well before she actually did return. Now, Zelina Vega being back at all is pretty big news considering how, like, what, it, what all happened when she left. So for that, we have to go all the way back to November. So if you remember last fall, WWE puts out this thing uh, to all their talent limiting their ability to work with third parties such as Cameo, Twitch. Uh, there, there were some, like YouTube was fine for some reason, but all these different third parties that WWE talent can make some additional income from, WWE decided to limit this. This was a big problem for Zelina Vega, who has a huge following on Twitch. Vega's very big into the video game and and other type stuff. She's got a big, she's got a big following in this area. So this wasn't going to sit well with her. And so after this is announced, there's all these sort of rumors and and leaked information that this is not sitting well with many wrestlers on the roster. Then we get to November 13th and Zelina Vega puts out a tweet that says, I support unionization. That's on November 13th. Surprise, surprise, she is released uh, that same day. In fact, like, Vega releasing that I support unionization tweet and WWE sending out a tweet saying that she had been released, those things were happening at basically the same time. So clearly this whole thing with Twitch, third parties, WWE talent being considered independent contractors, that was the root of the real disagreement here between Zelina Vega and WWE. So after Zelina Vega puts out that I support unionization tweet, the SAG-ACTRA, the the, the people, SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, the union that represents 160,000 professionals working in different film fields of film and television. They then responded to Zelina saying, so do we, we support unionization too. 
Then they said, you know, thanks for, for standing strong for labor solidarity. I support you. Please email me. And it's the Gabriel Carteris, the president of SAG-AFTRA, sends a public message to Zelina Vega for her to email her. Then they both put out statements a little while later saying that they had a very powerful conversation. Then we don't hear a lot for a while. Now, these tweets that Zelina Vega put out in November saying that she supports unionization and that she had a very powerful conversation with, with, uh, with the president of the union, they've all been deleted now. So Zelina Vega, like any of the, the controversial stuff that she had put out in November, that's, been, that's gone from her social media. So stuff's been going on behind the scenes now with Zelina Vega and WWE kind of button heads over this third party issue. Some clearly some agreement has been made that resulted in Zelina Vega deleting those tweets and coming back to WWE. But now the real question is what happens with her Twitch? What happens with her uh cameo or any of the other third parties? Uh, that she'd been signed with. Has, like, who is, we still don't know who's won here. Did Zelina Vega win? Did she get to keep all her third parties and come back to WWE? Or did WWE win and Zelina Vega has signed over her third party agreements to WWE so that they're getting some of it? We don't know, and probably a lot of NDAs have been signed, non disclosure agreements. So, likely. The full story here is not coming out until Zelina Vega actually does leave WWE again for realsies this time. But Zelina Vega did return on SmackDown. Kind of interesting. She lost her first match back. Uh, if you haven't been following SmackDown, Liv Morgan, who's now the last remaining member of the Riot Squad on WWE programming, uh, she got all upset when Sonya Deville announced that Carmella was officially in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And so Sonya Deville's reasoning was, well, Carmella won the first ever Money in the Bank ladders match in the women's division, and the second one when they had to redo it because everyone got all upset that James Ellsworth actually won the match the first time. Yeah, if you remember that, Ellsworth like grabbed the briefcase and then dropped it down to Carmella, and then everyone was like, great, so a guy won the first ever Women's in the Money in the Bank match? And they were like... Yeah, okay, maybe we should just redo it. So Carmella won the first two. Um, but then Liv Morgan comes out and is like, what? I just beat her. And then, so Liv Morgan beats Carmella, and now Liv Morgan beats Zelina Vega. So the, the storyline for Liv Morgan is that she's now beaten two women that are entered into this match. So what the heck? Put her in the match too. But the big story, obviously, Zelina Vega back in WWE after all this hullabaloo and rigmarole regarding third parties and unionization in WWE. And unfortunately, we must talk about the Patriot, Del Wilkes, who passed away this week due to a heart attack. He was just 59 years old. And wrestling fans in the United States and Canada are, are, are going to best remember the Patriot for his run in WWF in 1997 when things were really heating up in the Hart Foundation versus 
the USA storyline, which we're just now getting to on the Wrestling's Greatest War podcast. And we certainly am looking forward to when we get to the part where the, the Patriot comes in. He just he fits so well for that storyline. I mean, his character just fit right in. Um, he probably had his biggest run with All Japan Pro Wrestling from the early to mid-90s there. Um, but uh, definitely, if you're... If you followed the Attitude Era, if you were watching wrestling in 1997, I mean, when when he came in as, as the Patriot during that storyline, and then he ended up having a WWF championship match with Bret Hart at the Ground Zero pay-per-view. So it was pretty... His, his short run in WWF, I mean, he was released in, in 1998, so... I don't even know if he was in WWF for a year, but it was a very impactful year he spent in the promotion. And unfortunately, he passed away far too young this week. Triple H gave an interview to the New York Post this week, and he talked about Samoa Joe's new role in NXT. And I thought what he said was very notable. So notable, in fact, I've decided to note it here. Um, so for Triple H, basically what he said was me and Joe have talked about this for a while and it's the idea of Joe sort of moving away from his in-ring career and moving backstage, moving to sort of the business side of things. Now, Joe was on Ryan Satin's out of character podcast and Joe said on that podcast, look, I'm absolutely trying to get cleared to wrestle again. Um, I've had concussion concussion issues that have kept me out for over a year. Um, at this point, he had been working on the commentary booth at, at Raw, so it, it still seems like he's not cleared, but he's working on getting cleared. However, what Triple H said to the New York Post, really, is that we're working on moving Joe backstage, back to the business side of things. So here is what Triple H said to the New York Post. He said, it was something that we were already talking about anyways, basically referring to Joe's new role with NXT. He said, and what people tend to focus on, because it's the visual, is the in front of the camera, the character side of it. But what Joe and I have been talking about for a long period of time, before COVID, probably from the time he started in WWE in general, is that he's a very smart guy that's very business-oriented. He has a level head and all those things. And so we discuss what is the future like and how can he help build the future? And he was enamored with the other side of the business and what we do. So that's pretty interesting. And then Triple H kind of continued to say, like, this is really like a pitcher in baseball who's released from his contract. He's no longer a player, or a pitcher, but he's going to join the coaching, the coaching side of things. So Triple H continues. It wasn't like he got let go from one part of the company and the other part of the company hired him. It's all one big company. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. There was an opportunity for him to transition, no different than you would say, well, he was released from this pitching contract and started managing the team and became a coach. It's a similar situation. Okay, that makes sense. But then why do you announce Joe was a Joe was released? Like when they announced all the big releases back in April and Joe was on there, why even bother to mention it? Why not just say Joe is moving to NXT now? Anyway, Triple H continued, there was an opportunity for him to leave one realm and come into the other. 
but in coming into the other, it sort of connected the dots for him to still do something in-ring from a preference standpoint. No different than I do, Triple H was saying. Or other performers who have other jobs as well. So basically, Triple H was saying, look, we're moving Joe backstage. We're moving Joe to the business side of things. He's still going to be on screen. He's going to have an on-screen character. And there's still a chance for him to come back and wrestle from time to time. So anyway, Triple H continued. It's a piece of it, but the bigger component is the talent development component that he'll be a big part of. I'm really, really excited about that because, again, at this stage of my career, it's all about developing the next generation of superstars. So, I mean, Joe's older. He's accomplished a lot in his career. He's had concussion issues. He's not going to be able to go out and do a regular schedule. And WWE's main roster wasn't going to invest in him knowing that like a knock to the head and he could be gone for a year again, right? So this sort of coming in, being the enforcer for William Regal, maybe building up some matches that we could see down the line, like one or two big matches on a takeover, but nothing regular, no regular schedule, something like that, appears to be Joe's future in NXT, which sounds kind of fun. On NXT UK this week, Blair Davenport was revealed to be B. Priestley. Now, this is something, if you're following the non-spoiler-free wrestling news out there, you probably knew that this was likely to occur. She was very likely to end up in WWE and on this brand. If you haven't been watching NXT UK, first of all, you're you're not alone on that. And I, I kind of hate to take a shot at NXT UK because every time I do turn it on, and, I, and I'm sure anytime anybody puts this show on you can see good wrestling on it you you've got a lot of good wrestlers having good wrestling matches yeah guys like walter tyler Bate. i mean it's sort of hard to do better than that but it doesn't really feel like a newsworthy show you know like the like not a lot of big events happen that are are that get people talking around the wrestling world well B. Priestley showing up on NXT UK is enough to to get the wrestling world talking a little bit. She's somebody with a name. She's someone with star power. She's enough of a name that it'll get a few people who are not watching NXT UK to go, eh, you know what, I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll check it out. And they've certainly had a fantastic women's division, but a lot of the top names that have been in the NXT UK women's division... Not all of them, obviously. Kaylee Ray and Miko Satamora, Ginny, ton, tons of tons of great women in, in that uh, uh, division. But they've also lost a bunch, right? Like Rhea Ripley was there for a long time. Tony Storm was there for a long time. They just lost Piper to I. I, I guess Piper was uh, scouted away by by Eva Marie to become Dewdrop, and that's fantastic storyline. You can check out on Monday Night Raw every week. But anyway, so back in 2019, B. Priestley did an interview with Talk Sport where she mentioned that she had been offered a contract with WWE to go to the NXT UK brand, but she turned it down. This is what she said to Talk Sport about why she turned down that contract offer from WWE. She said, It was very difficult because Tony Storm, she is one of my best friends ever. And also, I've got a strong bond with Kaylee Ray and Piper Niven. 
Uh, Piper and I are a tag team in Japan, and I've got a lot of working experience with Kaylee Ray. So she continued. At the time when they offered me a contract, I already knew that Piper and Kaylee had signed. So for me, I didn't think I was ever going to have a spotlight on me because they had just signed two of the top girls in the UK. So basically what she's saying here is, I didn't sign with NXT UK because they had just signed Piper Niven and Kaylee Ray. So I thought, where's the room for me? What happens to B Priestley if you've got those two at the top of the card? And they also had Tony Storm. Well, and at that time, I think Rhea Ripley was... Was she still in NXT UK or is she had gone to the other NXT? I don't know. But they had a pretty stacked division, so B Priestley was thinking, all right, no room for little B on, on the show. So anyway, so she, she continued. She said, so I was going to be signed as a mid-carder, and it would have taken me a while to get the spotlight on me. So in my head, I was like, okay, if I stay away, I still want to get a lot more experience in Japan. I still have a lot of other things I want to do. For me, that was the best decision for me. So that interview she did in uh, October of 2019. So at that time, she decided not to sign with NXT UK, but rather she's going to stay in stardom, and she's also going to do part-time with AEW. However, fast forward to March 2020, there was a global hiccup, let's say, that caused a lot of changes. Priestley, she can't get to Florida. So AEW releases her. She's still able to do her shows with Stardom. She uh, works with New Japan, because remember, she was in Will Ospreay's United Empire uh, faction. So she's so she had been doing that, but now the AEW route is, is gone for her. So she's lost her, um, her deal with, with AEW. So, she, so then, a year after the pandemic starts, she leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling in rather uh, dramatic style. So she's part of the United Empire at the New Japan Cup Finals over the over the New Japan Cup Finals, and Osprey kicks her out of the faction by giving her an Oz cutter, and then everyone was all up in arms because, you know, it's a man doing a wrestling move on a woman. and uh, So now, without having the AEW part-time gig, and with many of the, the members of the NXT UK women's roster that she had mentioned before, with many of them gone, like Piper Niven is now Dewdrop, as we said. So now maybe she's feeling like there is more room for her in this division. She can go in there and have the impact that she wants. Now, some fans are going to look at this and say, well, this is a bit of a waste. You've got this really talented person like B. Priestley, and you're putting them on a brand that not a lot of people watch. But, I mean, they are trying to build this brand into being a powerhouse on the UK scene. So it's not like they, they it's not like WWE feels having Walter or, or Tyler Bate or B. Priestley on NXT UK is a waste. They're trying to build this up into a big powerhouse brand. And the addition of someone like B. Priestley, I think, does a lot to move them that into that direction. There was a bit of an incident on NXT this week in a mixed tag match where Zaya Lee kicked Mercedes Martinez in the face and legit knocked her out. So Zia Lee 
does a spinning back kick, hits Mercedes Martinez right in the chin, like flush in the chin. And she does a face first flop right down on the mat. And it looked like she was just knocked right out. And it looked that way because it probably was that way. Zia Lee then goes to cover her. Martinez does get her shoulder up on the pin attempt, but it's, it's, it doesn't look good. Like it looks very clear. Like something is wrong at this point. The ref does a really good job of just stopping the match. Not right away, but like kind of checks on her. And then it's like, yeah, okay, we're stopping this. And uh, so in terms of updates for, for Mercedes Martinez, there's nothing confirmed. Uh, people online that were at the show said that she was helped to the back. There were sort of some unconfirmed reports that she went to the hospital. It's not known if she has a concussion, but boy, does that look like a concussion. So there's nothing confirmed out there other than she was helped to the back. That part we know. She likely went to the hospital. That's not confirmed, but people are saying that it from what they understand, she went to the hospital. I did see some people online say, oh, well, this is this is twice. Didn't Zia Lee do this to Aaliyah as well? Um, and yes, she did in storyline. In storyline, Zia Lee kicked Aaliyah in the face. But that uh, Aaliyah was, I think, having some type of like nose surgery. Might have been... I, I, and this was Zia Lee kicking her in the face was their way to explain that. So th- this isn't something that is a regular occurrence with Zia Lee, but they did do an angle where I think a lot of people took that thing with Aaliyah as if it was uh, real or quote unquote a shoot, but it it wasn't. It, they planned that. It wasn't somebody actually getting really hurt, but this does uh, appear to be what has happened here. And unfortunately, we're not going to know more about Mercedes Martinez's uh, condition for a little while. But all that we do know at this point is that she was helped to the back, likely went to the hospital, and she likely has a concussion. But we don't have anything confirmed. So I don't really want to talk about this news item. I don't think it's particularly important. But it did it did get a lot of people talking this week, so I sort of feel like I, I should mention it to you guys, uh, especially for those of you who are just getting your news from here. Um, so Eddie Kingston, after the Saturday Night Dynamite last weekend, uh, goes off the air. So Kenny Omega defeats Jungle Boy. Show goes off the air. Um, Eddie Kingston gets on the microphone, cuts this promo, very pro- AEW promo, but there were some shots taken at WWE in it. Uh, AEW then posted the video. I think they also replayed it on Dark or Dark Elevation or something like that. Uh, basically, okay, so so here is an, an excerpt of what he said. Because this competition, or he says, the competition sometimes doesn't want to hear their fans. Well, I guess I'm burning another bridge. Surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, AEW cares about their fans. We are not just here to get a paycheck. Something along those lines. So basically saying WWE doesn't want to hear from their fans. WWE doesn't respect their fans and and all this stuff. So Bully Ray, who is one of the hosts of Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM, 
bully. Uh, I don't know what to say about this because bully really takes some shots against Eddie Kingston for things that he did for things that bully did all throughout his career. Anyway, this is so bully spends about like a minute complimenting Eddie Kingston saying, I love Eddie Kingston. He's great. He's the greatest promo in the world. If Eddie Kingston, I want him to be my best friend. Just goes on and on about how much he loves Eddie Kingston. And then right after all that preamble, he goes, Eddie Kingston needs to shut the fuck up and stay in his lane. And his lane is as an AEW guy speaking about AEW and flying the flag for AEW. Then I'm completely on board. Tell me how great AEW is. Yada, yada, yada. Goes on, but then says, don't take the easy way out and knock the WWE. Because if you go back and you listen to the fans, they really didn't pop that hard when he took a jab at WWE. I don't know what Bully's going on about here because Bully, whether he was in ECW, TNA, WWE, I mean, there is no shortage of examples of other people in wrestling, Bully as well, taking shots at the competition. Eddie later does an interview and he just kind of downplays what he says. He basically just said, look, I'm, I'm just trying to hype up my team. I'm just trying to hype up my squad. I'm with AEW. So he says in an interview later, he goes, relax, relax. I expect people from the other joint, if they're allowed to mention our names, they'll probably do the same thing because you know what I mean? They want their home team to win. It's just like the NFL or Major League Baseball. You want to go with your home team. AEW is my team. That's my squad. So basically his point is all I'm doing is flying the flag. I'm taking some shots at our competition. Bully thinks, hey, you know, no, you shouldn't do that. Really, it seems like Bully was just trying to say something controversial to Eddie Kingston to get, to get some people talking, to get some publicity for busted open radio, probably. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, that's just how that's just how Bully does things. And I think this is what that was. Kingston never really responded to Bully. I was totally expecting to hear Kingston give a response that was specifically to Bully Ray. But he hasn't, at least not yet. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll go on Busted Open Radio later. That's probably what will happen. But he never really responded to Bully Ray specifically. He just said, look, I'm just, I'm just rooting, rooting for my team. And that's all, that's all this was. And there's another story this week that got a lot of people talking. I don't really feel it's that big of a news story or all that important. And actually everything Renee said on her podcast, she's mentioned before and other people have talked about it before, but it got a lot of people talking this week. So we should probably mention it. So Renee Paquette was on her Oral Sessions podcast, and she mentioned that while she was still in WWE and John Moxley was injured, he'd gone to New Japan already. I don't think he was in AEW at this point. But Renee said that Triple H always reached out to see if Moxley needed any help, um, like rehabbing from his injury, basically more or less offering up the WWE Performance Center and physiotherapist if Moxley needed uh, any help overcoming the injury. 
So here's what Renee said on her podcast. She said, even when John left, there was times that Hunter pulled me aside because John was injured when he came back from New Japan. Hunter kept checking in to make sure that John was okay. If he needed anything, they would have been able to help him in any kind of capacity. So it was nice to know that that olive branch was still extended, and it wasn't that heat-seeking thing that everybody thinks that it is. We've all spent so much time together and nothing bad went down. So more or less what Renee is saying here is, everybody expects things to be so contentious between former WWE talent and, and the company. But often it's not. Um, there may be with like upper management or things like that, but between, you know, wrestling companies, there are people that have worked together for so long, spent so much time together that they're friends. And even if they work at other companies, they're going to, you know, be friendly with each other and they're going to try and help each other out from time to time. I mean, it's not always that case, but Definitely what Renee was saying here is that that's how Triple H has treated her and John Moxley. It's also very similar to comments Chelsea Green made on her podcast. Now, her podcast used to be called Fifty Shades of Green, but I'm pretty sure she got a cease and desist on that. And it's it's something I think it's green with envy now. Anyway, Chelsea Green has a podcast and she talked about how she re-injured her arm recently. Like, remember, she um, she injured her, her arm when she was supposed to make her main roster debut. She went recently to, to go get some training in, and she thought that she had re-injured it. And I guess she, she had re-injured it a little bit. But basically what she said was, WWE is allowing her to come to the Performance Center and use the physical th- therapist to rehab her arm. Now, in her case, the original injury did occur in a WWE ring. So there is that sort of ethical um, obligation from the company's behalf to to have to help green out in this area. But it's still just this it's this little bit of information that that's come out recently. That's got a lot of people talking this idea that WWE will help non WWE signed talent with their injuries at the performance center from time to time. I thought that was interesting. A lot of people seem to have found that interesting. It's actually something that people have mentioned before, but it didn't really get a lot of press. All right. So now before we go again for this week, let's run down. What, what, what do we have on tap for this coming week? And let's start with WWE, because on Monday we have Raw, and only a, a few things have been announced for Raw. The big, uh, what what appears to be the on-paper main event will be WWE Champion Bobby Lashley teaming with MVP to take on Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston The New Day as we get closer or continue to build to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view where Bobby Lashley will defend the WWE Championship against Kofi Kingston. So the New Day versus the Hurt Business on Raw this week. Also, a match just announced recently, Ricochet is going to battle who WWE.com is referring to as Johnny Drip Drip. So basically, we've got a rematch between Ricochet and John Morrison. Now, this is a rematch from... Yeah, last for this week's or last week's Raw, uh, and it was a double countout. So 
John Morrison, Ricochet, once again, going at it on Raw. WWE.com has a segment featuring Charlotte Flair advertised for Raw as well. And The Miz is going to host a Money in the Bank edition of Miz TV. So the Raw participants in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match will be in that segment. So that is WWE Raw. Then on Tuesday, we've got a big event for NXT because they've got the Great American Bash on Tuesday. And this will be, so I guess Tuesday is what, July 6th? So they've got the Great American Bash. Four matches announced for it, but four big matches. So one match that was just announced last week on NXT is a million-dollar championship match between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. And of course, at the last takeover, these two had a ladder match with LA Knight winning and winning the million-dollar championship. So Cameron Grimes wants a rematch. However, LA Knight, of course, if he's going to defend the title against against Cameron Grimes, he wants there to be some stipulation. He wants Cameron Grimes to put up something as well. So the stipulation here is, if Cameron Grimes loses, he has to become LA Knight's butler. So they are going with the, the stipulation that the pilot episode of Seinfeld went with. So, two possible results coming out of this match. Either Cameron Grimes is your new million-dollar champion, or Cameron Grimes is your new butler to the million-dollar champion, L.A. Knight. Uh, we knew that Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell were going to defend the tag team titles at the Great American Bash. We just didn't know who it was going to be against. But then on this week's show, when Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defeated... Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez and Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart in a triple threat number one contenders match. So they move on. They will face the tag champs at the Great American Bash. In other, in the in the men's tag team championship match, Nash Carter and Wes Lee of MSK will take on Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. That should be interesting. That should be real interesting, actually, to see who comes away from that match um, with the championships there. I mean, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa two accomplished singles wrestlers. You know, Champa is a former NXT champion. Timothy Thatcher, you know, we've seen him beat guys like Matt Riddle on NXT. So we'll see how well they can work together as a team. And if they can work together well as a team, they could come out of the Great American Bash as the new tag team champions. Of course, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark also have that option. And and we'll just see what happens. There could be multiple title changes at Great American Bash. We'll just have to see. And then Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, a big grudge match. That that match, even though it's the only match scheduled for the Great American Bash, not for a title, it could very easily be the main event. We'll just have to see. Then on Wednesday, we move to Dynamite. And this will be fun because it's Dynamite back on the road. They're in the James L. Knight Center in Miami, Florida for a special Road Rager event. Basically, all of the next AEW shows have some type of branding to it because they've got Road Rager on the 7th. Then on the 14th, they've got Fighter Fest Night 1. On July 21st, they've got Fighter Fighter Fest Night 2. Then at the end of July, they've got Fight for the Fallen. And then they're going to do a show back at Daly's Place that they're calling Homecoming Uh, because they'll have been gone for a whole month at that point. So 
Scheduled for Road Rager, we've got the AW Tag Team titles on the line as the Young Bucks defend against Eddie Kingston and Pentagon. And this comes after Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Miedo, excuse me, uh, defeated them in a tag team title eliminator match uh, on Dynamite this week. And I think that was like the Young Bucks' first tag loss in over a year. So now this has, they've just announced actually that this will be a street fight as well. So the end of their match on Dynamite came after Brandon Cutler had, well, he tried to interfere, but ended up spraying that, that spray thing the Young Bucks have in the face of Matt Jackson for an extended period of time and basically costing the Young Bucks the match. So we'll see. We'll see if Brandon Cutler's involved in this match at all on Wednesday. Andrade El Idolo will make his AEW debut at Road Rager. He'll take on Matt Seidel. And also the Inner Circle and Pinnacle will go up against each other in six-man action as Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz will go up against FTR and Wardlow. All right. Then we move on to Thursday. We've got Impact Wrestling. And two matches in one segment have been announced for that. We'll have a number one contendership match for the Knockouts tag team titles as Havoc and Rosemary take on Susan and Kimberly. And last week on Impact, we saw Kimberly backstage telling Susan that she thinks maybe they need Sue Young to help them in this match against Havoc and Rosemary. So we'll see what happens there. Also, Jake Something will take on Brian Myers. But the big announced segment for Impact on Thursday is Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan. They will have their contract signing for their Slammiversary title match, which takes place on July 17th. Then we move on to next Friday SmackDown. And we got a couple of Money in the Bank qualifying matches announced for that show. Shinsuke Nakamura will take on Baron Corbin in the first Money in the Bank qualifying match. Well, I don't know what order they're going in. But this follows up on what I think is is a pretty fun storyline on SmackDown right now where Nakamura has defeated Baron Corbin for the King of WWE title. So now we got Kingsuke Nakamura coming out in, in new sort of black and white garb with Rick Boogs playing the the guitar as he comes out. And so it's, it's sort of like a, like a new era for Shinsuke Nakamura right now. But then there's Baron Corbin who now he looks depressed. He's saying he's lost all of his endorsements. He's like losing the crown has had a, a, a horrible impact on Baron Corbin's life overall. Not, not just in the ring. He's losing money. He's looking depressed. He's unshaved. He's unkempt. He's doing poorly but he'll have a chance to qualify for the Money in the Bank match and get a little revenge on Nakamura next week when they meet in singles action. And we've got Cesaro versus Seth Rollins once again. These two have certainly wrestled a lot as of late. They will meet next week on SmackDown in a Money in the Bank qualifying match as well. Then as we head into next weekend, New Japan Pro Wrestling has a couple of shows in Sapporo and... The majority of the shows are just multi-person tag matches, but then each show has a championship match in the main event. So on the first night, on the Saturday, we'll see an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match as El Desperado will look to defend the title for the second time. He takes on Bullet Club's 
Taiji Ishimori. Then on the Sunday, July the 11th, in the main event, we've got the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships on the line as the Dangerous Techers, who just defeated the Gorillas of Destiny for the belts, they will defend the titles against Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. So that's a significant challenge there for Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. And with that, you are completely up to date on everything that's been making headlines in the world of pro wrestling as of late, minus anything that could potentially spoil the results or enjoyment of future shows for you. I'm Gentleman Ian, and I look forward to talking to you about wrestling again next week.